What is up, everybody? Welcome into episode 248 of Living Off the Land. I'm Dan. And returning tonight, he is all the way back from a nasty bout with the flu. Steven Stefano's here. Steven, how you feeling? I am back, and I'm better than ever. Ah. Uh, last week was just terrible. I'm back! <laughs> and better than ever. Amen. <laughs> Uh, our uh, wrestling fans will understand that reference. But anyway, yeah, so Steve was not on the show last week. If, as, uh, if you listened to last week's show, thank you again to the original cast of characters, Ryan, Jimmy, and Jordan, who filled in for Steve uh, last week uh, while he was out sick. Whole family was sick, huh? Yeah, it actually was, uh, it was Scarlett's fault, you know, <sighs> although not entirely because – it was her first week of daycare, the first week and of she got February. Sick. She got oh, sick within oh, three days, literally. Oh, Didn't even make it through Thursday. Poor girl. And was home the whole next week, and we were pretty much on lockdown that whole week as well. Yeah. So I remember you text you texted me on Monday. We usually record on Wednesday nights. You text me on Monday. You're like, yeah, I'm not going to be able to do it this week. Yeah. I know that <laughs> last September I ended up passing you an illness by way of Scarlet already. I yeah, was like, it was a I'm, nasty cold. I am not going to do that again. So. <laughs> no, I appreciate that, but yeah. uh, everybody's good? Everybody's back? Yep. Back healthy? Mm-hmm. That's good to hear. So, um, Again, thank you again to Ryan, Jordan, and Jimmy for filling in last week. That was a lot of fun, uh, but we are back to the main lineup, and uh, as you heard at the beginning of the episode, I cracked a beer open, and it is one we've had on the show before, actually almost a year ago today. Uh, it was one of the first ones that I had when Steve joined the podcast. Uh, this is Cosmic Haze, a double hazy IPA from Market Garden Brewery. And uh, I'll tell you what, it it does. It's exactly how I remember it. It does not disappoint. Uh, I'm not going to get too far into it because we've had this on the show before. It comes, if you're looking for it in the store, it comes in the bright highlighter green can. Uh, every Market Garden beer has the same design on it. It's just the name is different and the color is different. This is the lime green, highlighter green uh, <coughs> uh, color. So just a quick uh, blurb. An assertive hazy IPA worthy of our most intense blend of citra, azica, and trident hops brewed with punchy yeast. Punchy. That transforms hop oils into vibrant tangerine, grapefruit, and guava flavors. The result is our cosmic haze with a glowing veil of haze, solid bitterness, and tropical waves of hoppiness. I think they nailed the nailed it right on the head there. Mm. Um, for me, I'm not going to move this up or down from the score I gave it when we last had it. I gave it an 8.2. This is a really good beer. Um, one of my favorite hazies. Uh, it definitely packs an extra punch. When it says it's a double hazy IPA, you definitely feel it a little bit more. So it's very IPA-y. Yeah. It's an 8.5% ABV. That's very high. So mm. um, this, you drink a couple of these and you will be floating. But uh, anyway, I really enjoy it. It it fits the description that I read off the can very well. 
Um, so Cosmic Haze, that is what I will be drinking uh, throughout this episode. So quick uh, Beer of the Week blurb there. Let's move right along. Yeah, it, the first thing I saw when I saw the can, I was like, oh, that looks like radioactive waste green. Yeah, right. To me. It looks like, yeah, and, it looks like the... Uh, it looks like the green that the uh, the Ninja Turtles got into mm. that, that made them Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And actually, believe it or not, that's actually a decent segue into our Better Know a Neighborhood segment for tonight. Um, it, it, this is going to be a little bit educational tonight. Um, just a little while ago, we had a situation where we had a really awful event, a train derailment in uh, eastern yes. Ohio in the town of just, East Palestine, just Ohio. Just south of Youngstown. Yes. Uh, we're actually going to go to East Palestine tonight. Um, this was a place that even me, somebody who's very geographically inclined, had hardly heard of before. Yeah. Uh, so I, I just want to talk a little bit about this place. East Palestine is in northeastern Columbiana County. It's a town of approximately just under 5,000 people, according to the 2020 census. And like you said, located about 20 miles south of Youngstown or about 40 miles northwest of Pittsburgh. Boo. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night. Uh, and, you know, it, it, when you get out into the rural parts of Ohio, you know, it, it's kind of you, – you see a lot of neighbor, uh, neighborhoods, a lot of towns that look kind of similar. You've got um, residential area kind of on the outside of it, uh, agriculture up on, you know, upon the outskirt. And then in the center, you kind of have that – you know, small town, downtown kind of thing where you have like the brick buildings in the middle and, you know, a lot of locally owned businesses and everything. You don't you don't have a lot of big, big box stores or anything like that. It's it's going to be all just, you know, a lot of mom and pop kind of like, you know, old school America kind of thing. And that's that's kind of what you see in, in East Palestine and some of the uh, other er- uh, towns out in that area. Um, again, it's it's literally almost right on the state border. In fact, if you were to not that you would do this, but if you were to take Broadway Avenue from Cleveland, uh, Ohio Route 14, and just stay on 14 till all the way until you get to Pennsylvania, you will end up in East Palestine, hmm. oddly enough. Uh, total land area of about 3.15 <coughs> square miles, which is all land. There's two streams that pass through the village, uh, Leslie Run and Sulphur Run. And in fact, uh, there is a really nice city park on the south end of town, actually, just a little bit um, to the south of the city, State Route 170. So State Route 14 kind of comes through east-west or actually northwest to southeast. And then State Route 170 is the other main route that goes through, which is north-south. And your main commercial corridor in East Palestine kind of goes um, north-south right along uh, State Route 170. And then just honestly just cutting across straight west to east is that railroad line, which passes just to the north of downtown if you can call it a downtown, more like a small town downtown, where unfortunately this train derailment happened. It happened on the near east side of the town. And yeah, it's this actually is a story that, believe it or not, it seems like has gotten more national play than local play uh, in terms of the media coverage. I haven't seen a whole lot of like WKYC and you know, WEWS, like, running, you know, a lot of stories about this, but I'll, like, see it on Fox News and some of the national publications. And we've really only seen it, like, this week. Like, this happened, like, what, almost three weeks ago? Yeah. It was back in January. It's very weird that, like, and this is, it. this isn't, like, a, like, non-serious, like, thing. Like, this is a an ecological disaster. Yeah. For that area. Very toxic chemicals. In fact, hydrochloric acid was one of the ones that that 
happen. Yeah. That has a pH of one. That's literally stomach acid. Yeah. Like the only acid that's stronger than that that I know of is battery acid. That's it goes in cars. There was <sighs> there's there's been um uh they've been talking about the uh um what's the word I'm looking for here? Um like these these chemicals infecting like the 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 water reserves in the Ohio River and um yeah this is not very far up river from the Ohio River we're I mean, talking they, about here just a little bit to the southeast in the in the water sources um like rivers and streams all in that area um I've seen videos of of people where they've they've been recording the waters and there've just been dead fish everywhere yeah i mean if you're talking about places that are certainly down river from that places like Steubenville, Marietta, yeah. uh, Gallipolis, um, Ironton, and, and places like that. It, this is exactly what we're talking here. You know, a lot of these river towns in southeast and south central Ohio, um, and they're worried that this could ultimately spread all the way down to the Gulf of Mexico through through the Ohio and the Mississippi River. That's crazy. Yeah, and we even had a uh, the city of Cleveland actually because they got so many calls, uh, actually had to post on their social media that um, you know the city of Cleveland obviously uses lake erie and lake erie is not connected to the ohio river so no it's so the water so yeah so the water uh that we get in in our houses uh is is okay and um they would be able to flag down if there was anything wrong and there hasn't been anything wrong as of yet so um if you live in the greater cleveland area uh, you should be okay um if you're talking about the difference between the Ohio River watershed versus the Lake Erie watershed. That's about like if you just go a little bit south of Akron and just kind of come across like Kent, Ravenna, and then like out toward maybe like the Niles area. Yeah. It's kind of like if you're north of that, you're in you're in the Ohio the Lake Erie watershed. If you're south of that, you know like more toward the Canton area and, yeah. and Youngstown area. That's more into the Ohio River watershed once you get down that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, so, it's just. It's a, it's a sad situation. I do want to shout out some of the local businesses here because I, I got to sure. figure some of these people are very, are probably struggling a lot right now. Uh, people are probably – I mean, the locals are probably still, you know, doing their normal thing. But, I mean – Well, they evacuated from, a lot of people. From outside. Yeah. I mean, I know, it was only just a couple of days ago that they were allowed to, yeah, to come I know back Governor, a lot Governor of DeWine basically said uh, that, that they believe it's, it's safe for people to go back to their homes. But um, yeah. it's still a scary situation. Yeah, so if you look at just within like a four block radius downtown, you've got you know places like Doyle's Fresh Meat and Deli. That's a butcher shop that's mm-hmm. really highly rated. Uh, Casa's Pizza Shop, which is on the near southwest side, that's that's a pizza shop that's very highly rated. You have a restaurant called the Original Roadhouse, which I guess is a knockoff of Texas Roadhouse, but apparently they're pretty highly rated. They're actually on the west side of town, just north of the East Palestine City Park. Uh, that might be a good place. Uh, places that aren't necessarily in the food, uh, Hartford, Dickey, and King Company LPA. That's an accounting firm. Uh, Fighting Dragons Martial Arts Studio, uh, which you know a, a a Taekwondo and Karate studio that's on the west side of town. Uh, again, these are and then uh, <laughs> interestingly enough, on one seventy, there's a business called Computer Repairs by Tim. <laughs> so shout out Tim. I'm sure you're a great guy. <laughs> um. But yeah, this this is a community that I'm sure now that they've been allowed back in, you just you just hope that state and federal authorities are going to do right by these people and will you know be able to assist when possible, and you know the EPA and whatever are going to do whatever they can to clean up because that's just a mess, literally. 
What a mess. And they deserve better. Do we even know? I I haven't honestly. I haven't really been following this as closely as I have, or I, or I should be. Do Do we know how the the train crashed? I don't know all the details. I, the way it often works is, you know, you have tracks that split, especially when you go, you know, from one direction out of a town or something. I think this just might be a track switch that was just like either in the wrong place or rusted or, or not well maintained or. I'm just completely speculating on this because I don't right. actually know, but that's that's that, that would be my suspicion. Yeah, that's. And we're not going to get political on this podcast, but you know there have been people on in at the federal level, which is for one party, and then the state level, which is the opposite party, that have both been getting criticized for this, yeah. and by this by the response. So, uh, again, the hopes is that uh, everything will come together and and. Uh, the resolution of this will be good because the people of East Palestine are good people. And again, it's a little ways further out from Cleveland. I mean, it's not, it's, I still consider Columbia County to be Northeast Ohio. You know, it, it's just a little ways South of Youngstown. It's still our territory as far as I'm, as I'm concerned. So mm-hmm. but anyway, that is East Palestine. You can wham it with the right hand. All right. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, our, con- our continued thoughts and prayers are, Going out to the uh, the people of East Palestine for sure. So, um, all right. Well, last week when Jimmy Jordan and Ryan were on, we talked about the big game that was this past Sunday, and uh, we gave our predictions, we gave our thoughts, and uh, you know. So I've been I've been into sports betting now pretty much since it's become live and active. Um, you do it live. <laughs> I'm doing it live. I'm doing it live tonight, actually. Uh, got some decent bets on the Cavs tonight. So, um, anyway, uh, the big game came and went. I know that you, obviously, with your family ties, with your dad being from Philadelphia, were rooting hard for the Eagles. Um, I was leaning Eagles for literally 13 days. And I woke up on Sunday and I said, it's the Chiefs. And This is true based on text messages. Yes, and it's also true based on my uh, betting strategy and my uh, <laughs> my account, uh, my uh, the value of my betting accounts. Hmm. Because I won pretty decently on Super Bowl Sunday, I uh, bet bet the Chiefs money line pretty heavily. That hit. Uh, I hit two parlays, mm. and uh, I think that's it. I almost hit a third parlay, um, but uh, Travis Travis Kelsey needed four more yards receiving in the second half, and oh, so I did pretty well for myself. Um, but uh, did you end up betting the over under? I did, oh. but I bet it live. Oh, okay. So for whatever reason, I was I was trepidatious about about betting it before because I'm I'm like fifty to fifty and a half. I'm like, oh boy, because everything I've heard, everything I heard going into this game was uh, how great the Eagles' defense was and how great their defensive line was, and 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 I I talked about it uh, on the podcast. I said. The only way to stop Patrick Mahomes is to get pressure up the middle with your front four. Mm-hmm. 
And the Eagles have four guys, had four guys on their defense that recorded 10 or more sacks this year. That's incredible. <clears throat> like, four guys with 10 or more sacks. What's more incredible is they didn't even come close to touching him the entire game. Yeah. Chiefs O-line was incredible. Now, I will give some of that credit to the field conditions because players from both sides were slipping and sliding all over the place. Um, that was not Pioneer Paint, by the way, so don't even go there. Those 25-yard logos were just like, I mean. They were like ice sheets. They are yeah, sheets of ice. Terrible. Um, so I thought that was the Eagles' ticket to winning, was getting pressure up the middle. It was Tampa Bay's ticket to beating Patrick Mahomes two years ago when they beat them in the Super Bowl. They got pressure with the front four and pressure right in Mahomes' face, and he and he turned the ball over uh, a few times in that Super Bowl two years ago. I thought that that was the Eagles' chance to win, and they did not do it, and especially in the second half, I mean, Mahomes was absolutely unstoppable. The Eagles didn't get a single stop in the second half. Yeah, not one. And that's ultimately what cost them the game because Jalen Hurts played the best game of his career. Aside from one freak play where he, where he yeah. fumbled and kicked it and it was returned for a t- Kansas City touchdown, aside from that one play, he Which was Which never would have happened incredible. if it wasn't for the false start on the, uh, on the attempted sneak. Yeah, right. On third and one, which made it third and six, and then the meant they were in a right. passing situation. I mean, or... you talk about the game flipping on its head. The Eagles was that fourteen seven. It was fourteen seven at the time. The Eagles were dry. They, I mean, they weren't like in the red zone, but they were. They were just they were past driving midfield, again, and they were looking to go up twenty one to seven. And with the way that the game was going, if you got down, if you got down. If either team got down by multiple scores, it was going to be extremely hard to come back because uh, obviously we didn't know until the game was over that the Eagles wouldn't get a single sack. But at that point, if, if you're if, if you're an Eagles defense that has prided themselves on getting pressure their entire the entire season, and you say here here's a two touchdown lead in the Super Bowl, I mean the yeah. old adi- the old adage of pinning their ears back and going after Mahomes. I mean that's what they were going to do. So the, the the false start on that play. And then the subsequent fumble was just an absolute turning point. It wasn't it was, a ba- it wasn't a backbreaker because the game was still close at the end. The Eagles that then, to their credit, came out scored a touchdown the very next possession. So they, you know, they they ultimately recovered yes. from that. They were up ten at the break. And what you said about you know getting behind by too much in this game was true. Kansas City, when they came out of the locker room down ten, they were in a situation where they. They didn't necessarily need a touchdown, but they didn't at least need points on that first drive of the second half, and they went down and scored a touchdown immediately. Yep. That was huge because, yes. again, if they punted the ball theoretically down 10, yes. that would have been a very negative situation because their defense hadn't done anything up to that point either. No, no, they hadn't. Um, that was the most important uh, drive of the entire game was coming out of halftime, going right down the field and scoring a touchdown. Yeah. Um, and I had said that it was a bad decision for Kansas City to defer at the start of the game because the Eagles had scored, what was it, 10 or 11 first-drive touchdowns that year, and sure enough, they did it again yeah. in the Super Bowl. But ultimately, and, it wasn't, and another, another it wasn't key, that bad a decision. They, they they got it right coming out of halftime. Yeah, and another key was you know the Eagles, uh, the, the Chiefs deferred, and the Eagles quickly grabbed momentum by going right down the field. But... The Chiefs answered right away, went right back down the field the other way. Sure. Um, and at that point, I'm like, oh, boy, this is going to be a track meet. And that was when I went on my app, and uh, I was like, I, I, I'm going to bet the over. 
But at that point, Ha-ha. it went. It had jumped from fifty and a half to sixty and a half. Okay, yeah. But I'm like, you know what? Screw it. So I I threw, uh, I threw some money down on that, and that ended yeah. up going way over. So in ultimately, it was Kansas City's touchdown to making an eight point lead that that put you on the over there because yep. that made it thirty five twenty seven. Yeah. Yeah, that was it. That was with about, I believe, nine minutes left in the fourth quarter. Yeah. I think. So uh, the Eagles went down the field and, and scored after that. Um, and they got the two-point conversion. And um, and then we'll get into let, – let's get into uh, something that, uh, especially the, day, the night and the day after, you and I in two different uh, text conversations had a lot of – had a lot of discussion about. Oh, this was something. And that was the defensive holding call on third and was it was it third and, to go? It was like third and seven. Third they and seven, they right. could have had they could have had a first down on the six, I think. That's right. If I recall. That's right. Yeah. So um, <coughs> this was with about two minutes. Yeah. Just under two just under two minutes left. Right. The Eagles had two timeouts. Um so they just gotten past the two minute warning and they had used a timeout earlier in the half. I think, if I recall, the Eagles called timeout on Kansas City's first play after the two-minute warning, so they were down to one timeout before this play. Yeah. Um, So, and then this play happened. Now, the big debate is, for me, obviously, right when it happened and people saw the first replay, they're like, oh, that's ticky-tack. I will agree that it was... A little bit, I guess, light, you could say. Hmm. But, I mean, like, to get to, to, to get the call there, I mean, what does he have to do? Like, tackle the guy? And I, Listen, I bet the Chiefs, you were rooting for the Eagles, so we're obviously going to be on other sides of the argument here. Yeah, it's hard to not let bias get involved in this yeah. situation. And I don't want to really relitigate um, it because we, we talked about it so much in our text chain. But for me, I think the argument ends when James Bradbury said in post-game, uh, press conference, or post-game interview, yeah, I held him. I was just hoping that the refs wouldn't see it. And He's a bigger man than a lot of people would be in this situation. Yeah. For sure. Um, but I mean, he's the guy that they called the flag on and he said he did it. So where's the argument? He's owning up to it. It it sort of takes away a lot of the counter argument you could have. I mean, the only counter argument really (laughs) after that was what I guess people were saying is you don't throw that flag in that situation. But I mean, again, I go back to the guy said he did it. So I, 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 I don't know. My problem with this situation is twofold. The first part of it is, was it a foul to begin with? Maybe by the letter of the law it was because there was the smallest jersey grab involved, but it just seems really harsh, and particularly in that situation in a game of that magnitude. To me, that might that wasn't even a foul in the first quarter of a game, much less the fourth quarter. I know there's the argument of, well, you have to call the game how it is no matter what point in the game it is. I get that argument. But for me, that like if I was an official, I, w- I, I mean, I wouldn't have even thought anything of it, especially in real speed. Now, granted, these guys are a heck of a lot better at their job than I would ever be. 
But boy, oh boy. I mean, it, and the other side of it is, is that the aftermath of that was you had a game that was absolutely incredible. Awesome yeah. game for 58 minutes. Yeah. And the last two minutes might have been the worst last two minutes of a Super Bowl ever, aside from a game that's just a total blowout and they're just kneeling the ball down. Because you just knew what was going to happen at that point. Kansas City was going to do thing where they just lay down inside the five-yard line and they were going to take a couple of knees and it was going to be just... I mean, I can't blame Kansas City if they... If it was my team in that situation, I mean, that's the obvious play. Your defense hasn't been able to stop their offense, so why even bother giving them the ball back? But, yeah, I mean, you can't come up with a more underwhelming, underhanded conclusion to a game, a game of that magnitude than that. It's just, it just left it, a sour taste in everybody's mouth other than Chiefs fans. Well, I was just going to say, you're and saying this because just, you're rooting for the Eagles. It, well, see, here's the thing. You had fans of a whole bunch of teams coming out of the woodwork and saying that this is ridiculous. And, you know, I'm actually going to take a shot at Bengal fans here because Bengal fans were be, perhaps the most vocal of all because they were basically coming with the argument of, well, there you go. The Eagles got screwed just like we did two weeks ago, you know, in the AFC title game. And apparently some teams of fans of teams like Tennessee and Buffalo, other teams that have had their battles with the Chiefs, uh, are apparently latching onto that bandwagon too, that basically the Chiefs are just the, the charmed team of the, the moment right now, and they're getting all the breaks. I'm they, not here to litigate that, but that that was what was prevalent on social media all through the last. Few I mean, days. they are they are now officially the warriors of the NFL, and and oh, Pat, they're the villains now. And Patrick Patrick Mahomes is the Steph Curry of the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I would necessarily call them villains. I mean, who on their team is is who on their team really is dislikable? I mean, not in the sense of like a Ben Roethlisberger or Ray Lewis. I mean, we're not talking about people who have done stuff allegedly criminally or anything like that. No, but, but even even like <laughs> even like like uh, uh, show like overly showboaty. And I guess I guess though, there's Juju one guy. Smith Juju. Schuster. Well, that's yeah. He yeah. That's. <laughs> but I will say, I will say, uh, talk your talk because that guy had one hell of a second half. He did. I mean, he was fantastic in the second half. So. Yeah, I mean, he's I mean he's Juju. He's we know all too well about that guy. Uh, you know Corvette. That Twitter, that Corvette Twitter Corvette. dust up between him and AJ Brown was really something yeah. else. Yeah, uh, uh, Juju Corvette Corvette. Yeah, we kicked your ass right out of the playoffs when you were in Pittsburgh. Uh, <laughs> good morning, good afternoon, and good night, Juju. But um, yeah, no, I really I I don't really think they have anybody that's too like unlikable on their on their team. That's like the one thing. It's like, oh, like, like with the Patriots when they had their dynasty, they got caught cheating. Right. Like, Twice. Yeah. <laughs> Twice. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's very easy to hate them. I mean, it, and the it, added fact that it's Boston and it's some of well, the most yeah. pompous yeah. elitist people in the entire country that the support chowds, them. Those yeah. freaking chowds. You know, Kansas City folks, I mean, those are just good Midwestern people for the most part. Like, Yeah, and I mean, like, like, uh, how do you dislike Andy Reid? You can't. I mean, if anything, Philly fans are much more, you know, oh, yeah. nasty, maligned, whatever you want to call They're it. They're scumbags. You know, you know, overly emotional compared to, you know, Kansas City fans. So, yeah. Um, 
But I think, I, I think in the end, calling that because because Kansas City was going to get the field goal regardless. That's correct. So I guess there's no I, way Harrison. I know he missed earlier in the game. Yeah, but he he was, there's no yeah, way yeah. he was going to miss from that close. No. So I think, I, I, I think we what we got potentially robbed of was seeing if Kansas City could answer or go win the game, like go get a game tying field goal or go win the game with what there would have been like let's see after the kickoff there would have been like a minute and a half left yeah uh with no no time uh they no, would have they would have had like one timeout they would have had assuming it was Maybe. incomplete on third down they would have had one timeout okay so i guess in the end we kind of got robbed at that chance now uh, you, it, you can't just assume that they would have went down the field and, and oh absolutely not no i mean you we're not making i'm certainly not going to sit here and say that that call cost the eagles a game no they they still yeah. would have had to perform on that final drive, either to get and the field goal to get overtime or to win it with a touchdown. They could have gotten one stop in the second half. Right. Now, so. That's the other argument. If the defense would have been able to do it. In fact, and credit the Eagles fans. A lot of the Eagles fans I that I have talked take. to, more so than the national folks, I feel like like the national folks and like people in Cincinnati and Buffalo and that's, Nashville cause, and all those other Yeah, because saying the all game was rigged and all Kansas that City. crap, that's the easy way out. Eagle fans have actually, a lot of them, you know, a lot yeah. of them have been saying that, but a lot of them have been saying, hang on a second, this is on us too, because if our defense could have stopped a wet paper towel in the second half, yeah. we, we would have been able to win this game and willing to come down to that. Yeah. And there were so many people basically saying get, the defensive coordinator should just not even get back on the plane, should stay in Arizona. Funny thing is he just got hired to be the Cardinals head coach. Yep. So <laughs> it former, turned out uh, that that's what happened. <laughs> former St. Ignatius grad, Jonathan Gannon. Shout out. Um, Maybe that was his master plan all along. I don't know. <laughs> who knows? Um, but, yeah, so the Chiefs come away, win their second Super Bowl in four years. Uh, Patrick Mahomes goes for the uh, NFL MVP and Super Bowl MVP in the same season. He wins his second in the first six years of his career. Um, and like we said, this was their third Super Bowl in five years, their second win. Are they a dynasty? Ooh, two in four years. I mean, that and a third Super Bowl in there, You know, even though they didn't win it. I mean that's pretty darn close. I, I, mean, think, I, I think I would say that's 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 borderline being a dynasty. Yeah, yeah. I I would say that they would have to uh, they would have to like go out and repeat next year. If something. they get if they get a third Super Bowl win, oh, probably yeah. within the next like two years or so. Yeah, it's it's. Done. I mean that's 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 basically equaling uh, the Patriots' first run of Super Bowls when they won three in four years. Yeah, because like think about this. Like I'll use a different example. Like San Francisco Giants baseball. They won the World Series in 2010, 2012, and 2014. Yeah. That, to me, is a dynasty. Three, three titles in five years? Yeah. Absolutely. Anytime you win three in a... I mean, Patriots, they had two different runs. They had 36, 37, if you, 39. If you then, win three titles in a in an alternate fashion or a sub-alternate fashion, like winning it every other year for a, a span of... Uh, five to six years, or winning like three out of four, or obviously like the Lakers in in two thousand when, when they three peating. That's obviously a yeah. dynasty. Um, but yeah, I I think they have to win another one in the next couple of years. I think three titles within a five or six year period is yeah. that's my definition yeah. of it. And in those other years, being there, like being in the mix, right? Like not that you're like randomly out of the playoffs. When yeah, you're, you know that. I well, mean, I, obviously, I mean, like if Mahomes 
gets hurt right. in week one, yeah. doesn't play again the rest of the year, right. the Chiefs go six and eleven, then okay. Yeah. You know, but that's an extenuating circumstance. Right. Yeah. We're talking about if everything is everything is constant. Um it was interesting to see the uh the Cleveland connection on the field. Uh we had two Cleveland boys, two brothers going going at it against each other in the Super Bowl with Travis and Jason Kelsey. Um Cleveland Heights. Cleveland Heights. They uh uh, they have their own podcast called New Heights, and uh, they 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 recorded their latest episode I think yesterday, mm. and uh, you know there was a lot of emotion. Um, There's got to be a lot more subscribers of that podcast now. Oh hell yeah! Wow. Oh yeah. Well, I think there was. I think there was. I mean, this is really like number one trending, perhaps the most now? high profile, and I think this is the first time brothers have ever faced off against each other in the Super Bowl. I think so. Yes. And these are guys that have already, each of them have already won a Super Bowl. Yeah, Jason um, Kelsey, Super Bowl 52, and uh, Travis Kelsey, Super Bowl 54. Yeah, so uh, 54 or 55? 54. 55, Chiefs lost to Tampa. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, um... I thought I thought I got to I got to uh, listen to a little snippet of it. It was it was a snippet when they were talking about their mom, and uh, they both got emotional talking about how uh, she was she was the real superstar of the week leading up to the Super Bowl. You know, she was getting all the she was getting all she was getting all the love. She was doing all the radio interviews, and you know, obviously on Super Bowl Sunday, she had one of those mocked up like half Chiefs, half Eagles jerseys on, which is really yep. cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they showed like the clip of her. Uh, I think she went and uh, saw Travis first on the field, and then went and found uh, found Jason. So I saw that, that really moment cool. where she went up to Jason Kelsey, and like he's you know he's talking, he's like shaking hands. You can tell he's like crushed as anybody right. would be in this moment, but he's like trying to keep a hard face. And then yeah. he sees his mom, and all of a sudden, like his facial expression just changes, and he just lets his oh, all, yeah. all out, and he just yep. hugs her like you know. And doesn't want to let go. Like that was such a great moment to oh, see. Yeah. It's it's got to be interesting because you know obviously if you get you go all this way, you get that far, and to lose in the in the ultimate game has got to be soul crushing. But I feel like maybe in the end, it's the way that he lost this year was probably the best way. I mean, he, if he's gonna lose to anybody, to lose to his brother. Yeah. You know, the only thing that sucks now is Travis now has bragging rights in the family. <laughs> two world titles against one. Yeah, yeah. that I, they're both world champions. So I mean, yeah. I mean, I I guess he can brag and say, "Oh, I got I got a ring for each hand" or something. Yeah. But you know, what a successful household, man. Yeah, three, three Super Bowls between two brothers. It's almost as successful a household. Actually, it's more as successful a household as Zach and Julie Ertz. Yeah, um, you know Zach, a yeah. Super Bowl champion when he was with Philadelphia, and Julie Ertz, a two-time world champion with the U.S. Women's you know, national team. You know what's interesting was on that podcast with uh, with Travis and uh, Jason New Heights. Uh, Travis talked about the story about how he desperately wanted the Eagles to draft him because he wanted to play with his brother, mm. and they passed over him and they drafted Zach Ertz instead. And I guess Travis has hated the Eagles organization ever since. <laughs> But he's like, he basically said, uh, I, I, I don't, I don't hate anymore. He's like, I beat you guys in the Super Bowl, so it's all good. It's all water under the bridge now. Yeah. So, and and you know, Eagles fans can't really be upset about it because Zach Ertz was a great tight end and won a Super Bowl with them. So yeah. So uh, yeah, they passed on Travis Kelsey, who might be trending to be the greatest tight end ever, but you know, 
they still got good, good sure stuff. Sure-fire, you know, two-time world champion is is setting yeah. statistical records and is a surefire first ballot hey, Hall of Famer. He's a free agent after next year. Why don't you come on home and finish your career in Cleveland there, Trav? Oh, my. How awesome would that oh be? Oh, my. I think it's possible if uh, our guy Deshaun and the offense reawaken this next year and get to the playoffs, I think that would it shows be. shows that they're, you know, looking, yeah. you know, one, like one of the top Competent. offenses. Yeah, I mean, Coppin would be the first step, but, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. So, uh, we talked about Mahomes. We talked about Jalen Hurts. I, real quick, wanted to go through a list for each of us of who is, and maybe we don't, I don't know. Do we do top ten, top five, or top ten? Collectively, we can do the top ten. You know, we each take, you know, top five style. We take five choices. Okay. And... You know, well, either I mean, e- either one of us, I think, knows who number one is. Yeah, I mean, Patrick Mahomes has got to yeah. be number one. So, right. so who wants to go? Consensus. You want to go? You want you can um, go. Ahead. I'll take that one. You go second. Okay, so uh, number two best quarterback in the league right We're talking now. Right now, and Tom Brady doesn't count. He's yeah, retired. He's yeah, he's he's gone. So, I mean, the the recency bias really tends to hit hard in this situation. Um, to where I want to pick Jalen Hurts, it's just like, is it really Jalen Hurts? Like, I mean, could it be Joe Burrow? I mean, at this point, I mean, the way he played in the postseason, I mean, right now, number two quarterback in the NFL, I I hate to say this, but I have to go with Joe Burrow. Wow, I'm yeah. shocked. Just based on how good he was for the last, Two months of the season and into the playoffs, yeah, I, 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 I got to go with him. He, he was just outstanding the whole time. I mean, he's, he's completely lurched me to the other side now, to where I think I can see where he probably will be elite for a very long time. Boy, we're yeah. both gonna shock because uh, uh, for number three, I got to go with Jalen Hurts. Okay, and uh, you know, I basically laughed at my brother when he drafted Jalen Hurts in our fantasy league. I wasn't and a big fan of that either. <laughs> he had the last laugh because he was one of the best fantasy quarterbacks in the league this year. Yeah, certainly was. And like we're saying, we're saying right now, Jalen Hurts played the best game of his career in the Super Bowl. I firmly believe that, and that's what I'm going to go off of. Yeah. So who's number four? Number four for me, even though he didn't play well in the playoffs, in the, in, in the game that got eliminated, I'm going with Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy, it seems like he has a little bit of a hex on him in the postseason now, but again, I don't think the Bills have had any truly, you know, crazy losses where they've been upset by a team they weren't supposed to, you know, lose to. So this, this guy is still out there and is, is putting up big games constantly. It seems, you know, does he have more? The reason he's not as good as Mahomes, Burrow, and Hurts is because it seems like he he's more susceptible to just randomly have off days sometimes. But he's definitely elite or on the verge of elite. So I got Josh Allen. Interesting. Okay, this might this I I don't know I I can't get a read on what I think you're gonna think about this my pick for number five. I think your draw might actually hit the floor. Yeah. And no, it's not Deshaun Watson. Um, give me Trevor Lawrence. Okay. I mean, you talk about a guy 
I'll go with the old Chris Collins word. Now, here's a guy. He may have been one of the top contenders for MVP if you just took a look at the second half of the season. The the Jags were what? I think they were like 2 and 7. Yeah. At one point and yeah. they finished the year like on a winning 7 out of 8. Seven out of or eight. maybe they were 3 and 7 and they won 6 out of 7, the final 7. Yeah, they were fantastic. And he was fantastic. I mean, you talk about somebody who, yeah, he, when he was a rookie probably could have had the worst possible coach around him uh for his rookie year and that's Urban Meyer who had never coached in the NFL and then the Jags credit to them now obviously uh the way Urban acted off of the field probably propelled them to do this they're like okay this isn't working uh we're going to sack uh Herb and then they go out and they get a proven Super Bowl winning Head coach, that's a former NFL quarterback, former offensive coordinator, former quarterback coach. He knows how to deal with quarterbacks. I'm talking about Doug Peterson, former Eagles quarterback, beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. And Trevor Lawrence completely turned around and uh, authored, well, not only because uh, he was playing against probably one of the biggest choke artists in the playoffs, uh, the the Los Angeles Chargers and Brandon Staley, mm-hmm. uh, but but authored I think the biggest comeback in NFL playoff history. What was the score? It was what twenty seven to nothing when the Jaguars got on the board. I think so. I think so. It was bigger than so, twenty eight three in the Super Bowl. So thirty five three was the biggest comeback oh, okay. ever. That was Buffalo against Houston back in ninety two, okay. but this was almost on that level. Yeah. And why am I not surprised? And we were even talking about it as it was just starting. Like we were like, "Oh, the Jaguars got touched." You know, we were like, "Watch the Chargers turn around and blow this game." And then the Jaguars scored again. We're like, "See, oh yeah, it's yeah. look, it's yep. it's coming." Yep. <laughs> um, so I didn't really want to belabor the point. I just I wanted to kind of explain why I had Trevor Lawrence so high because I think that's a little bit of a surprise. But um, listen, it was for me. It was either Lawrence or Herbert for number five. Lawrence beat Herbert in the playoffs. I can't put Herbert over Lawrence. Yeah. I mean, it, it'd be interesting to see if he it can sustain what and was going he, on the second half he even, of the year. he played well in Kansas City, too, in the second round. Oh, yeah. I mean, can, the Jaguars were in that game. Yeah. You know, they, they did about similar, as well as they could have been expected to very, in the playoffs. V- the, the Jags' uh, season this year was, it was actually very similar to the Browns in 2020. Um, yeah, maybe not quite so dramatic in the being down early and being up late, but it yeah. it did follow a pretty similar arc. Yeah, you think about it. So yeah, I think what this exercise is telling me is, boy, there's really not that many great QBs anymore. I know. Um, I mean, just almost as a default, I'm going to take Aaron Rodgers at six. Okay. You know, I I still think the guy's good. I mean, is he like a superstar like he was? No, not really. But I mean, just. I think he can be if if he gets out of Green Bay. If he gets into the right situation, you you could still see him go out possibly even so much as on top. It just depends on where he would end up. Yeah. You know, like say for sake of art, you know, we, you pose this with Tom Brady versus Brock Purdy. Oh, if, oh like, I'm sorry. If he could end up on the 49ers. If Aaron Rodgers goes or, to the 49ers, it's over. Or even if Next he Next season, up, it's over. Not even the Chiefs, I don't think, would beat the Niners. Or even he ends up in Vegas, let's say, and reunites with yeah. Devontae Adams. Yeah, like, that would you be know, interesting too. Mm-hmm. You know, I I do think he's gonna end up in one of those two places. Yeah, very yeah. well could. Yeah. yeah, so I could certainly see it. So I got Aaron Rodgers at six. 
Uh, I think then probably at seven, uh, I'm probably just going to default and take Justin Herbert. Okay. Yeah. Not, no real explanation That makes there. sense. The guy still hasn't won I, a I think playoff he's, I game, think he's unfortunately. Gonna, but well, I don't necessarily think that's his fault. That's not on him, though. I think his, <laughs> I think his, I think his coach sucks, and the, fran- and the franchise as a whole is a bunch of choke artists. That's a guy that should have been just left in Florida and, and should not be a head coach anymore. I mean, period. Right. I, it's amazing to me that the Chargers did not did not fire him, quite frankly, Brandon yeah. Staley. But anyway, so Justin Herbert is number seven. I'm going to go with Tua Tagovailoa at number eight. Yeah, and I, I think I'm going to be honest with you. I would have put him higher on this list if I didn't think his career was in jeopardy right now. Yeah, the whole concussion thing really is a touchy subject, and he had multiple this past season. If he gets another concussion next year, I think he might be done. Yeah, and you'd have to think for his long-term health that he probably should just step aside. Yeah. Because it's scary to get multiple concussions like that in such a short time. Yeah, but I will say, and and actually, you know, you go ahead because this is your pick. Oh, no, no, it's all all fine. I mean, the Dolphins had for the first, you know, aside from the couple weeks he was out after he got the first concussion— the Dolphins' offense was one of the best in the whole league this year. Yeah. And it was very, very noticeable. I mean, this is obvious. I mean, when you're starting QB's not in, obviously your team's not going to do as well. But I mean, it was very, very obvious the difference when he was not in. So, mm-hmm. you know, he has really developed into a guy that you can pretty much count on to, you know, put up multiple touchdowns, 300 yards almost, you know, on a pop. You know, just like some of these other guys like Allen and, and Hertz. So I think that, you know, if you think about it, these two Alabama guys, Tagovailoa and Hertz, I mean, I think they're going to be around for well, again, assuming he doesn't have these recurring issues with concussion, I, I think he could be around and be good for quite a while. So Cavs are getting smashed, by there. the way. Oh, you didn't have to tell me that. <laughs> 38-24 after one quarter. Yeah, still early. So we got nine and ten okay. still remaining here. Uh, I might, I might make your draw hit the floor this time. Okay. Yeah, what happened? That didn't really happen with Lawrence, but let's let's see about this one. Jared Goff. That's actually who I was going to take it. Oh ten. wow! Okay, get, we're in we're in stride. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and and it's mainly because I'm looking at a list here, and I'm looking at Jared Goff's numbers. Listen to this. Jared Goff played all 17 games last year. He had a 65% completion percentage, which is it's pretty good. It's not, like, ab- absurd, but it's pretty good. Almost 4,500 yards passing, 29 touchdowns, and only seven interceptions. Hmm. For Detroit. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you think about it historically, Detroit, usually offense hasn't been their problem so That's much. True. It's, been, it's been more defense usually, but, yeah. That's true. I just thought he played great. And, again, he's another guy – the Lions started like one and six and one. What did they? Did they? Did they win nine games? They started one and six and finished nine and eight. Yeah. And they lost seven the playoffs on a tiebreaker. Their, yeah, seven and two in their last nine games. So, yeah. But I like yeah, that. that actually Detroit for me is like the most interesting team going into the off season and into yeah. next year. Are they going to be able to sustain what they have? Because I mean, like I said, so the Vikings won the NFC North this year. Does anybody really think that they're, like, elite in any way? They went out right. like a wet paper towel in the first game, like a lot of people thought they would. So, like, Detroit might have a – you know, Green Bay's down, Chicago's down. Green Bay might uh, – Detroit's got a really good situation. You know, you just – they might be able to take advantage of that. But speaking of NFC North quarterbacks, 
my choice at 10 actually falls within this division as well. It's not Aaron Rodgers. It's not Jared Goff. And oddly enough, it's not Kirk Cousins either. Hmm. I'm really going kind of off the wall on this one. I'm going with Justin Fields. Really? I think Justin Fields could end up being somebody like a if, – if he develops the way I think he could, he could end up being a guy like Jalen Hurts because he runs the ball literally better than anyone from that position. Yeah. And well, I will say it's this. It's a matter of, you know, can he throw the ball? I mean, he threw the ball great at Ohio State. Like, well, I, I will say this. I, I think that I, – I do think he has the talent. Um, I think uh, he – for that to happen – I think he needs the rumors to be true, which I don't think they are. I think they're just trying to drive up the price for a trade for number one. But I think they do need – he does need the rumors that the Bears might trade him and draft one of these quarterbacks number one overall because I I don't see Justin Fields um, accessing the complete ability of his talents uh, in Chicago. They're an even bigger quarterback killer than like the Cleveland Bears is. don't have. Yeah, they have no history of having none good quarterbacks. None. I literally not like the who's the best Bears quarterback they've that they've been around in our lifetime. Rex Grossman, yeah, perhaps. I mean, he, he's the guy that started the Super Bowl for him. I so. mean, they had like maybe Jay Cutler. Yeah, Jay Cutler, perhaps. I mean, probably yeah. from a pure talent. He was there longer, like, so yeah, you could yeah. make the case for him too. So that's an interesting one. That's interesting. Yeah, no Kirk Cousins, no Dak Prescott. But the interesting thing about those two guys is I don't think the Bears drafted either of those guys. That's true. I think they both came in from outside, so it's not like but, they've ever drafted and developed a QB on their own. But the the uh, regime that did draft Justin Fields is no longer in power in Chicago. Yeah, well, that's, that's, why that's I, what happens when your team only wins three games or yeah, whatever. Right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, so that was an interesting exercise, and, and I, I, I like your point when you're saying that Right now, there are just not a lot of great proven quarterbacks. Yeah, think of the guys that we probably would have had on this list. Like, if you go back 12 months ago, we might have had Derek Carr in there. We might have had Russell. Well, we certainly would have had Russell Wilson yep. in there. We probably would have had. We could have had Jimmy Garoppolo in there. Dak. Like, Dak Prescott. Yeah, the, that's probably the biggest omission that we left out Dak Prescott. But the bottom line is, is I can't have a guy in there that's just He's turning just the ball over like crazy. Good. He's not that like, good. How many pick sixes did the guy throw if in the Dak second Prescott half of the season? If Dak Prescott played for like any other franchise, <laughs> nobody would even care about him. It's because he plays for Dallas, and for whatever reason, everybody's got to always talk about Dallas, even though they've never won anything in the last 25 years. Like, I mean, I guess I've criticized this guy a bit, but like, I'd almost rather... I'd almost rather have like the milk toast guy that's not making big plays but isn't turning the ball over. Like a guy like I don't know, Daniel Jones or, or somebody Brock, like or Brock that. Purdy, your or boy. Brock Purdy. Your boy. Right. You know? I'm shocked you didn't put him on the list. I gotta tell you, the way he played through the back half of the season into the first playoff game, he definitely was looking at inclusion. Yeah. He didn't play that well in the divisional round, then he got hurt in the conference championship, so I I'm pumping the brakes just slightly on him right now, but yeah, you know, time will tell. And like we said, is he going to still be the starter next year, or will somebody like Aaron Rodgers come in and you know, and be the guy and you know have him you know hold a clipboard for another year? Who knows? But talk about a guy who really probably by all rights shouldn't have seen the field this year and made an incredible impression. Sure, when he did and kept the 49ers not just relevant but kept them in legit Super Bowl contention. And it wasn't until they had a massive injury crisis. and I mean, I don't know if they, they probably wouldn't be in Philadelphia anyway, but that game would have been a lot more competitive. Sure. 
Yeah. I mean, we really don't know. He got injured like on the first or second drive of the game. Right. He didn't so, really have a shot after that. Yeah, no. And then they, and then he tried to come back in, and he just couldn't throw the ball. <laughs> so, but anyway, uh, let's move right along here. Um, before we end the episode, we got to talk about the week that was with the Cavaliers because. Uh, yeah, we've kind of been burying the lead on this episode. <laughs> uh, the Cavs are on fire right now, and it's it's a shame that you you know with the teaser was actually bad. I was hoping you'd say they were up by 14 and not by down by 14 because that would be on brand for the Cavs right now. Yeah. So since I was last on this podcast, we were talking about the Cavs only being nine games over 500 and trending in the wrong direction and being fifth in the conference and being closer to seventh than they were the teams at the top. Well, that changed. Yeah. The Cavs have won. So the event that changed everything was – the Grizzlies deciding to go after Donovan Mitchell's nuts. Dick punch. And that turned out to be a galvanizing moment for this team because they went out and they, they clobbered Memphis the rest of the game after that. They clobbered, uh, I forget who they played the next night, but like the next three games they, they won by like 20-plus. Mm-hmm. They played the Clippers, I think, a couple days later. Three, three that game-, game was over in the first quarter. Like, so they've won seven over seven in a row overall. The, the last couple games haven't been quite as decisive. They struggled with Chicago. They didn't get back till four a.m. that morning, and they were kind of jet lagged. But that game a month ago, they would have lost. Yeah, probably. Yes. Um, absolutely. They were just opinion. not making shots. I, they were I turning the ball think, over. I actually think the game the other night against San Antonio a month ago, they would have lost. Now, that was a game that they actually jumped up and were doing well early, and San Antonio perhaps had more resistance than they were expecting. Yeah. But, uh, you know, credit the Spurs for that. But, I mean, I never felt like the Cavs were in any real danger of losing that game. Probably Maybe you not. disagree. No, no, I don't think they were ever in real. But I'm saying, like, the way that they were playing a month ago, they might have they might have uh, pooped that game away. Um, It looks like Donovan Mitchell is back healthy. That's huge. Uh, he's yes, been, he's been scoring in bunches the last handful of games. Uh, Evan Mobley is taking a leap offensively. Finally, um, he's he struggled. been awesome yes. for most of this last two week period. Oh yeah, um, I would say his emergence on the offensive end is probably the biggest reason for uh, the Cavs' uh, win streak. Um, uh, Jared Allen is just Jared Allen. He's as consistent as they come. Uh, Darius Garland has picked up his game a little bit recently. He's had a, he had a couple games where he struggled, but you know I think he's still learning how to play with uh, Donovan Mitchell, another ball dominant guard. I think that's still what's what's happening here. And then I gotta say, you know, if we're gonna give Evan Mobley credit for the way his game is developing, how about I, the way Isaac Okoro has been playing? Yeah, how about that? I mean, the last like month of the season, he's turned into like a forty percent. He's doing exactly what we've been saying this Cavs team has needed been hoping that he could do but we didn't really expect just that he would stand ever be in able the corner do. and make an open corner three be the Shane Battier of this team how Shane Battier was with those Miami Heat teams uh with LeBron just be that type of guy we don't need you to to run the offense we need you to stand in the corner and when guys collapse on Darius and Donovan be there in the corner, ready, shoot, and hit it. And he's doing it right now. And that's fantastic to see. It's it's awesome. And it's another big reason why. The offense is performing much better. 
And that's because of those things. We now have a threat on the offensive end uh, other than like Donovan Mitchell off the dribble or Darius off the dribble to hit an outside jump shot. Um, So that's opening things up for everybody else. So it it's been great, and and the defense has been, the defense has held solid. That we've been a great defensive team. We're the uh, we're the only team in the NBA that's allowing less than 110 points a game. That's pretty amazing to me. That and, and scoring at, has gotten that distorted. And we're at like 105, 106 allowed. So it's not even close. I mean, it used to be like you go back 10, 15 years ago, if you were giving up 106 points per game, you were like the worst team in the league. I know. <laughs> I know. It's incredible how, how the game has changed. But, uh, yeah, so the Cavs, the Cavs have been fantastic, and it's interesting. It's, it almost feels like the All-Star break is coming at a bad time because this team is so hot right now. I just want to underscore that point with the defense. During this streak that the Cavs have been on the seven-game winning streak, Cavaliers have had three games where they held opponents to 91, 85, and 89 points. Hmm. You do that, I mean, you're not only going to win, it's going to be a blowout probably. And yeah, I mean, the, the Bulls game wasn't because the Cavs turned the ball over so much and shot the ball poorly. But We're talking glowingly about this Cavs team right now, and it's, it's obvious they just don't have it tonight. They're down 20 now. Yeah, I mean, and you know what? Philadelphia is a good team. They're one of the only four teams in the NBA that has a better record than the Cavs do right now. I just They're hope playing I, on the road. I just hope like, I can hit my bets now. Yeah, <laughs> tonight. Which none of my bets involve the the outcome of the game. Oh, okay. like Cavs winning or Cavs losing. I didn't want to. I didn't want to touch that because this is such a toss up game, and the Cavs still aren't great. They they won their last three games on the road during this stretch, but we're still not great on the road. So not on overall, the road, no. on the road against a good team, I wasn't really thrilled with our chances. But you know, hopefully they can make me worthwhile. Yeah. So again, as we transition in, I just want to you know underscore the point again. Four teams only have better records than the Cavs right now. Philadelphia, who they're playing tonight, is one of them. They're only a game in front of them, actually, at thirty-seven and nineteen. Yep. Cavs have played four more games than Philly has at thirty-eight and. 22. And the interesting thing about so the Cavs <laughs> the Cavs and the Sixers only play 3 times this year. The Cavs won the first meeting. If the Cavs were to somehow win tonight, they would win the tiebreaker. Could be could be seeding purposes. Otherwise, you know, it'll come down to the third game, you know, yeah. if, if they lose tonight. Milwaukee is at 40 and 17. Celtics are 41 and 17 atop the Eastern Conference and out west. Denver at 40 and 18 is the only team that is better. Yeah. Uh Memphis is the second best team in the West at 34 and 22. And then after that, you got to go to the Kings at thirty-two and twenty-five. It's really shocking to me just how mediocre the Western Conference is this year. It's it's, just, it's almost flipped over the last few years. There don't look to be any real serious contenders. I mean, Denver like and Memphis. 20, but that's it. For like twenty years, we we it, it's always been all oh, the West is better than the East. The East is pathetic. Blah 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 blah. Not anymore. Yeah, like aside from the LeBron teams, that's pretty much in a lot of years. That was the only choice. Um, was the only hope the East had yeah. was that Miami or Cleveland would, would win the thing. Yeah. I mean, uh, aside from a anomalous situation like 2019, where you know two of the best players on the Warriors get injured, yeah. and, and the Raptors are just you know right place, right time, and win the title. Yep. You know. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So All Star Weekend is this weekend. So tonight is the last game for the Cavs for about I think eight. Or nine days, I think. Yeah, they don't uh, play again until. Oh boy, Donovan uh, Mitchell will start in the All Star game for the Cavs. Evan Mobley will be playing in the Futures game. Um, 
So those will be our two representatives in uh, Salt Lake City. Donovan Mitchell going back to Salt Lake City to start in the All-Star game. I wonder if he gets cheered or booed. He got he got cheered when the Cavs went there earlier this season. He got a pretty good cheer when he got announced, so I would imagine it would probably be the same. Is this going to be an alcohol-free All-Star game? I don't know. Do they sell With alcohol? Being Salt Lake City? Oh, I'm sure they do. Yeah. It's just, you know, that's the joke because, right. like, they have bars, but they, like, close at 9 or yeah. 10 or whatever. Right. <laughs> it's a Mormon country, you yeah. know? So, yeah, I don't know. but uh, Got great skiing out there, though, I'll tell you that. Yeah. Um, so we'll see what happens uh, in the All-Star game. Hopefully both those guys stay healthy. True. Um, First game out of the All-Star break, by the way, is home against Denver. So Ooh. another like high-profile, big-time game. I'm sure that's a TNT game, if Tent. I had to guess. Yeah. Schedule's kind of up and down when they come after that. They play Boston twice early in March, but they've got some – Easier games in between there against like the Pistons, so and the Hornets. So, hmm. all right. Well, uh, that is probably going to do it for us for on this episode of uh, LOTL. Anything else we got? No, that's uh, just about going to do it. Um, we're just a couple weeks away from episode two fifty. That's going to be on March fifty. That's going to be on March first. So yeah, so. Good. You know, not to throw anything away from 249, which is next week. I'm sure that'll be great. But, you know, 250 is going to be a banger. So yeah, I hope so. We'll see. Get ready for see that. what happens. Yeah. All right. So that's going to do it for us in this episode of Living Off the Land. We appreciate you guys listening. Thank you so much for your support. Uh, as always, uh, you can find us on social media. At Stiffs McGee. And at Daniel J. Ford. You can follow the show at the LOTL podcast. And that's going to do it for us. So for Steven, I'm Dan. You've been listening to Living Off the Land. Go Cavs. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. See ya. Good night. I